0: the issue of thanksgiving, Uh, the reality that as God, as our Father, we can trust Him, and as a source of being trustworthy, our response to Him is that we are to give our thank yous to Him. I think we all like to hear the words thank you when we have done something kind for someone else. It's nice to hear those words. Uh, It's something that we teach our children probably from their earliest days It's both beautiful to hear, it's beautiful to say, it's good manners, it's all that, but more so than just good manners. When we say thank you to some someone for something they have done, when it is heartfelt, when gratitude is truly on our hearts, it really does change us, it affects us. When we see that we are nothing apart from what has been done to us, it affects us in such a way that our minds are taken off of ourself and recognize that another has blessed us and our soul is refreshed. If you think of Psalm 103 this morning, I would encourage you to leave your Bibles open as we just read, that you really see the heart of this psalm as one of gratitude. And we see it as just a model for us of a prayer and how we are to live. When we remember to praise God by thanksgiving in the midst of our daily lives, we will experience a supernatural blessing. It's not just once a year that we do thanksgiving in our culture, but rather it is something that we do as Christians on a moment-by-moment, day-to-day basis. But here is the problem, and I think this is what the author of Psalm 103 deals with. Here's the problem. In this fallen world, where sin abounds in so many different ways, where every struggle imaginable is before us, our souls, our hearts, and our minds, we go through seasons of both joy and pain, yet we are prone to focus on all that is wrong at times. What would it look like here in London at LNPC if we focused on all that the Lord is doing? By God's grace, that we would be exceptionally grateful people. I just said L-M-P-C. That's Lookout Mountain. This is L-P. What is it? You say it, L-C. London City Presbyterian Church. (laughs) By God's grace, what if we were exceptionally grateful people? I don't want us to forget that Jesus is on his throne this morning. And as we look at this psalm, we will be reminded of what he does and all that he has done. Um, I have three observations I want to make about the psalm, and then I'll give three points from it. The first observation is simply this. These words are not hard to understand. You do not have to have a commentary to go through this. It's not confusing. Matthew Henry, the great preacher, said the Psalm 103 calls for devotion more than exposition. That is, as we read these words, it is not difficult to understand what is going on before us. So may these simple words greatly affect our lives today. We can treat this academically only, and if we did so, we would miss the beautiful point. Rather, may God saturate our hearts this morning. But then second observation, and this is critical. I think if you miss this, you really miss the whole sermon. Notice to whom David is addressing the Psalm. Of course, he is speaking to the Lord in the context of prayer, but more than just the Lord, there is an element here that David is speaking to himself. He is reminding himself as what is true of the Lord. Again, this is a prayer, but this is also a discipline. David is talking to himself, if you will. It is as if King David in the midst of some area of pain or struggle, and he was perhaps tempted to think that God had forgotten him, speaks to himself to remind himself of all that is true of the Lord. And this must be a discipline in our life that we are consistently reminding ourselves of that which is true. It's as if we have David's journal in front of us this morning. Sometimes my kids, even though they are grown, uh, tell me that I talk to myself. And when they say that, they act as if I'm crazy. And I like to remind them, no, there's a biblical principle of talking to yourself. Maybe sometimes I talk to myself out loud and it is a little bit strange. But David is practicing that here. He's speaking to himself as he's speaking to the Lord, reminding his heart of what is true. Again, there's a biblical principle here to be followed. During seasons of spiritual struggle. With whatever external circumstance may be going on in our lives, whatever internal darkness may be upon us, it's our responsibility, it's our duty, and it's our enjoyment to fight for a mind focused upon the grace of God. David, under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, initiated all of this in his heart. Ultimately, this song is about the praise of God. Uh, When a child offers uh, spirit-induced praise of God, a child of God, that is, in thanksgiving, that follower of Christ will experience God's supernatural grace by being reoriented to the good news of Christ. John Stott says of Psalm 103 that these are the utterances of a redeemed child piling up words to express gratitude. That's what this is, that we are to be grateful for who the Lord is and what he has done. So from this passage let me offer these points to us this morning. First notice verses 1 through 5, recognize the reasons for us to offer praise. And secondly, verses 6 through 18, recognize the God whom we praise. And then lastly, verses 19 through 22, recognize the results of praise and see this as an element of how we become people filled with thanksgiving. Look back in your Bibles, verses 1 through 5, and recognize these simple reasons for praise. I mentioned earlier, these are not hard to understand, but we must believe them. For followers of Christ, those people who by faith know God, the Father, through the work of the Son, who died for us with the purchase of his blood. For us as Christians, there are many countless reasons that we can offer our praise to the Lord, no matter what the circumstances may be. However, for David, in this particular struggle in his life, he needed to hear again the benefits that the Holy Spirit gave to his heart. In verse 2, the benefits of knowing God. Why? Very clearly, he tells himself, not to forget. Church, I really believe this from the bottom of my heart. We are forgetful people. I forget things all the time, but spiritually we also are prone to forget. And one of the reasons we come to church this morning and be exposed to the means of grace is that our mind is changed week by week, season by season. But David says, forget not. It's a phrase that perfectly illustrates our human condition. We're forgetful people. It's who we are. We're prone to just move on. But look at several of these benefits that he mentioned here. First, we must remember that we have forgiveness of sin. In verse 3, this is our starting place, is it not? Always for us, before getting into specifics, We start with the reality that we were once enemies of God. But now because of the purchase of Christ, because of the cross, we are no longer his enemies, but we are now his family. This is our starting point. We must begin here. Our sin is removed. When God, your heavenly father, looks upon you this morning, when your faith is in Christ, he sees the beauty and the righteousness of his son. Our sin is gone. If this is the only benefit, that would be enough. But there are more. Compare this to verse 12 later in the psalm. God forgives your sin. He remembers it no more. Christ has taken our sin from us. So whoever this morning comes, if your faith is in him, your sin can be taken away. But also notice, David reminded himself that this God of ours heals our diseases. Our Lord not only cares about our spiritual condition, the church, you need to be reminded this morning, he cares for our physical bodies. David is referring to the physical sickness and ailments that affect us all. Now, much bad theology can come from this. Of course, it does not mean that we will not all eventually get sick and die. Of course, we will as Christians. But if you are here today and you have any form of health at all in your physical body, understand it's because your Heavenly Father has cared for you. The health that we have this morning is a testimony of God's grace to us. It's what He has given to us. Ultimately, we will have bodies which are glorified and perfected. That is our faith. Jesus will return here someday and bring heaven realities here and our bodies will be changed and we will no more have any sicknesses. That's not today, but yet God cares for our physical lives. We can call out to him in our sicknesses and he hears us and he cares for us. But also notice he redeemed our life from the pit. Consider this benefit literally from danger we were taken. David is not just saying that when I die, I will not go to hell, even though that is true. What he is saying is more than that. He is saying that apart from my relationship with God, my life was purposeless. My life was empty. But now in Christ, as an adopted child, I now have meaning and purpose and hope. Is that not what is true of us In our day-to-day callings, we bear witness to the greatness of the kingdom. God has taken us from a purposeless existence, placing us into a position of significance. I do ask you this morning, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? Do you see someone who is royal, who is special, who is dearly loved, who is important? That's who your heavenly Father sees. When your faith has been put in Christ, you have been transformed so much. Your life was taken from what was empty, and now you are full in Christ. But like David, we need to remember this. We are now more than conquerors, church, this morning. Your life has meaning, and you are special. That's what the gospel says. The last benefit here, I'll mention... I love how David says that he satisfies us with, quote, good things. It's a beautiful picture. This was David taking the time to look at his life, to take an inventory of everything that was around him, and knowing that God, our Father, is the one who gives us our daily bread. Everything that we have, it is God's good gift to us. There is nothing more, there is nothing less than the reality that all that we have comes from the gracious hand of our loving Heavenly Father. There was an old hymn that I grew up singing. Did you all sing, Andy? Uh, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what the Lord has done. Does anybody know that hymn? All right. Uh, This is really a beautiful practice in our life. And maybe you're in a place today that you need to take time this afternoon on the lord's day and write down a list of the ways in which god has been gracious to you and be reminded of his sovereign loving holy will and how it has been revealed in your life and you will have a powerful experience of being reminded of god's grace again i I doubt any of this is new information to you this morning I suspect maybe you already knew that, but that's really the point of the psalm is that we must remember these things over and over. Do you remember the truth of the gospel of Christ throughout each day? Several years ago, uh I encountered the most embarrassing ministry moment of my life. I hope I hope it nothing ever outdoes this one. Uh, I was speaking to a group of children at a little Christian school we have in Lexington that's uh, connected to our church. And I spoke at the, the chapel service, and these would be like 8, nine, ten year olds a bunch of little kids in a room, about 200 of them. And I spoke for 10 minutes or so, and they got bored quickly, as you might imagine. Finished preaching, I closed in prayer, and I was getting ready to walk off stage. And uh, the lower school principal, a lady named uh, Miss White, said, oh, Pastor Randall. How about you lead us in the Lord's Prayer? And with 200 kids staring at me, with no notes before me, even though I had prayed the Lord's Prayer thousands of times in my life, I could not get out our Father who art in heaven. 200 kids staring at me, and I am blank. And I eventually just said, Miss White, why don't you get started? I've got a Uh But I think there's something about that that reflects our life. Even though we know what is true, it's by God's spirit that we need to remember that which is true and to apply it. Be reminded again of what the Lord is doing. Do not forget his benefits. David compares our journey to that of an eagle. Do you know what happens to an eagle? As it ages, it loses its feathers and new ones replace the old. In a sense, the older it gets the younger it looks. May that be true of our faith as we trust the Lord over and over and over again that our faith at the end of our life may be stronger than it ever was before. So if we live in thanksgiving first, we know the reasons for our praise. But then secondly, if you will, verses 6 through 18, consider just for a moment this God to whom we give our praise. Who is he and what is he like? Again, as David engages in this mental exercise of prayer, this discipline of speaking to himself, he essentially makes a list of the attributes of God, a few of those, a process of keeping his mind on the facts of God's nature. And he does so because when we remember what God is actually like, who he is and what he does, it really is impossible for our hearts not to be rekindled. If we are in a place of spiritual dryness or darkness, it's often because we have not focused upon the greatness of who our king actually is. When we see who he is, it will produce thanksgiving in our hearts. For the sake of time, let me simply mention two of the attributes here. Notice that David highlights the fact that God is both merciful and God is eternal. What will affect change in our heart? It's when we remember the mercy that God has for us in Christ and the eternal nature of who he is. When we say that God is merciful, we know that God does not treat us as we deserve. He is just, yet he practices mercy. We know Jesus was crushed for justice, and now we get what we don't deserve. This morning, if you know Christ, it is because of the mercy of God. God does not give us what we deserve. Jesus took it, so now we have his grace. But also our Lord is eternal. For David, to help remember this nature of God he worships, he draws a comparison to himself with the Lord. He reminds himself that the number of his days on earth are limited, but the number of days of eternity are not. For us as mankind... Dust to dust is our theme. For God, it's everlasting to everlasting. The great difference between those two realities is the nature between God and us. But we are with him in Christ. In my office at church back in Kentucky, I have a picture of my grandfather and my great-grandfather. My grandfather, my paternal grandfather, in many ways was one of the best friends I ever had. He died when I was a senior in college, and I grieved and mourned him. He was fun, and he took great delight in me. We took trips together. I spent so much time with my grandfather. It was a joy to be his grandson, the way he treated me, the way he loved me, the things we did together. So I love this picture of him with his dad. But do you know what I know about his dad? Do you know what I know about my great-grandfather? I know that his first name was John. I know that he enjoyed drinking coffee. And that's about it. Why? Because I never met him. I never saw him. I spent no time with him. Do you see how brief our lives are? That even my best friend, my grandfather, his dad, that's how quickly time passes. That's how quickly preferences are lost. That's how quickly relationships fail. Church, it's good for our soul as we go through each week to know that our lives on this earth, yes, are brief, and they may be marked by suffering. They may be marked by persecution, but your heavenly Father does not count his days. Our heavenly Father is the Alpha and the Omega. He is eternal. He is everlasting. You can build your life upon him and live in confidence of our God who is like this. If we do not know his nature, our proclivity will be to reduce him to become more like us. And when we do that, we lose sight of the greatness and holiness that is true of him. We will not praise him in earnest and we will not be able to rejoice. And our lives will not be marked by a spirit of thanksgiving if we reduce him to who we are. In Christ, we had mercy. in Christ, His mercy is eternal. Do you know him this morning? There's no greater priority than to marvel at the difference between him and us and the reality that he comes to us in Christ. So how do we live in thanksgiving first? We know what God does for us. Secondly, we know who God is. And then thirdly, just briefly consider the result of praise. Look back at verses 19 through 22, and I love this. See again, this is what happens when our lives are marked by perpetual praise of our loving God. At the end of this journal entry, David's entire being is different. Whatever struggle brought him to the point of journaling, in some way his desperation, he is now at a point of being less concerned about that point of tension, and now he is overwhelmingly concerned with the greatness of our God throughout all the earth. That's quite a transformation in a journal entry. His focus is no longer upon circumstances that is hard. Rather, his focus is upon the God who is sovereign of them all. What changed? The joy of David's heart was transformed from being focused upon himself to now being focused on the glory and the fame of God's kingdom in all places. Jesus is alive. He's on his throne. Here, he is on his throne in Africa. He is on his throne in Kentucky. Jesus is alive, and he is good. In church, I ask this question to our congregation in Lexington, to this congregation in London. If Christians were infatuated with the greatness of God's kingdom as we encounter the day-to-day issues of our life, would we not experience joy beyond recognition? So I ask you this morning, Are you in a season of struggle? Are you in a season of doubt? Are you in a season of despair? Are you in a season of difficulty, financial, family? All of those are very real possibilities and scripture speaks to them all. Come this morning and be reminded that you have a king who is eternal and he loves you and he looks upon you with delight. Come this morning to worship the king who has no struggle. The king who is sovereign, the king who is good, the king who is loving. The kingdom is alive and flourishing. His kingdom is perfect and he is reigning. And this earth will be transformed with his glory in his due time. Our souls need to be lifted to the reality of all that he is doing. This evening, uh, after the second service, uh, our team from America will make our way to the airport. Uh, we will tell the long ways goodbye. Uh, we'll get a great picture with Marina and Theo and Ellie, and I suspect Andy as well. Uh, we'll share how we hope to see them again in the near future. Uh, we'll probably cry a little bit. And we'll be sad. And we'll say some prayers. And then there will be a time where we simply say thank you. Thank you to this community. There will be a time where we say thank you for your hospitality, to your laughter, because of your kindness and your <clears throat> And when that happens, our hearts will be lifted. Our souls will be encouraged. It's not a formula. It's God's grace. That when we are thankful by the work of the Holy Spirit and we ponder what God has done for us in Christ, and as we consider what Jesus' life and death and resurrection has accomplished, our lives are different. We're different. Gratitude will flow. Our lives are reoriented, reoriented to him and praise comes upon our heart when he is the theme of our song. So church in Christ, may we be grateful today for the good news of Jesus. Amen. 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 Let me pray and ask that the Lord would do these very things. Father, as we ponder these words this morning and the goodness that is ours because of jesus oh jesus i ask that you would indeed fill us with unimaginable hope and joy and love and encouragement because you are good to us thank you for the cross we pray in christ's name